Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, March 17th. Fresh from attending last week's Smart Energy Summit in Austin, Texas, we catch up with Mayor Jyoti Gondek for our weekly chat. Of course, we ask the mayor for her takeaways on the summit and her thoughts on what sort of an impact the newly approved Safe Spaces bylaw will have on the city. It's been a busy week stateside with the Silicon Valley Bank collapse and the U.S. banking system in the spotlight overall. Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco joins us with the latest and details on the U.S. drone that was downed earlier this week by a Russian fighter jet. And finally, a watering hole in... And finally, a watering hole in Ireland has been serving patrons for over 1,000 years. We head across the pond to Sean's Bar, the world's oldest pub, to see just how the Irish celebrate St. Patrick's Day. This week, City Council voted to approve the Safe Spaces Bylaw with details on this and all the latest news from City Hall. We're joined this morning by Mayor Jody Gondek. Good morning, Madam Mayor. Good morning, Sue and Andy, and happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you as well. Before we talk about the important Calgary news, overshadowing that is the tragedy that took place in Edmonton early yesterday. And I know you had sent your condolences to the Edmonton police force Mm -hmm. and the families of the fallen officers. But it it sure brings home the daily dangers of our first responders, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And, you know, to the families of Constable Travis Jordan and Constable Brett Ryan, as well as their Edmonton Police Service. I am so saddened to hear about this tragic news and the sorrow everyone must be feeling and the trauma that everyone's experiencing. Those who have been through this type of a loss before and frankly just being in service and knowing that every time you go to a call you don't know how it's going to end. It's devastating. It is devastating and Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it, uh, Mayor. On deck. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about what Sue mentioned, bringing you in the Safe Spaces Bylaw, been approved by City Council. Why is this an important issue to you, and, and how do you balance the need for safe spaces outside public buildings with the right to protest? That's a really good question, and the one thing that uh, we try to stress is that we are not stopping anyone from gathering, demonstrating, having a rally, having a protest. What we've asked is that people do it at a distance that allows families and individuals to access public spaces um, without feeling intimidated or threatened by a group of people right at the door. So it's just a request for people to move back to allow for safe entry. But I think it was important that, you know, you and and a handful of the councillors were really outspoken about it and felt very strongly, obviously, that this was important, that people, you know, were making others feel unsafe and, and getting into places where children were and and just I think it it really was giving Calgary a very bad look so I'm really glad that the council made this decision quite personally. Thank you Sue it was um, not an easy conversation it was a very heavy day for everyone and I think the message we managed to deliver is that Calgary is a place where everyone is welcome and you have the right to access public spaces in a safe manner. Right. Let's talk about downtown revitalization. A roundtable with many names that uh, Calgarians and Albertans would know for that matter uh, taking place yesterday. What can you tell us uh, that uh, came out of this and, and what is the goal? The goal is to make sure that everyone is speaking the same language and understanding the significance of the downtown revitalization strategy. And sometimes there's conversations that are held, you know, between one individual and another and it becomes a bit of a game of telephone and it's everyone's interpretation of the conversation. So we just put everybody in the same room, talked about our priorities and delivered a message that we have a shared vision and a shared strategy 
for how to get Calgary back on track and the things that are significant to us. And I was very happy that we had uh, three ministers with us. We had members of the private sector, members from post-secondary, and uh, members from the housing sector. And we all delivered the same message to the provincial government. They were incredibly receptive positive uh, conversation so is it sort of more about you know we need more money to to make all this be realized to to revitalize a downtown like calgary's that was once so robust but now you know it's really taken a a kicking and we need to do something about it so is this just getting everybody on the same page or is it a bit of an ask for money or what does it look like behind the doors it's a combination of the two things and you know the one thing that any order of government will tell you coming with an ask without matching dollars is generally not well received. Let's just be blunt about that. So we wanted to make sure that uh, our provincial government partners understood that we had invested quite a bit, the private sector has invested, and we're requesting a partnership that involves not only dollars, but a common vision for what downtown is. All right. uh, Last week you were in Austin, Texas for an energy summit. What can you tell us about the trip in do you feel like we, as a province, beyond our borders here in the city, are well-positioned to be a leader in the energy sector in 2023 and beyond, or do we still have it? Well, i got to tell you, I did two things. I was in Houston and in Austin. In Houston, I was at the World Energy Cities Partnership, uh, AGM. And while Calgary is, um, how can I say, recovering its reputation on a global stage, It was really good to be able to deliver the message that we are a city that is a leader in energy transformation. We've been transitioning methods and um, systems in the energy sector over time. Um, That's been happening for decades. So we're past transition. We're well into transformation. That was very well received. But I have to say, um, you know, there were still people that were a little bit judgy about our focus on conventional oil and gas. And I was able to dispel that myth and say, we have energy security for people right now as well as into the future. So it was a good opportunity to get us back on track. Um, and then I was in Austin for South by Southwest where I was able to, you know, very proudly talk about the role of Minecraft in the school system and how Calgary was the leader in incorporating uh, a little bit of gaming as an educational tool to allow children to understand how they can help build great cities. So really successful trip. I didn't even know that was a thing. My kids love Minecraft. That means they're set up for the future then. Oh, it's amazing. And when um, there's teams entering their submissions about how they would activate downtown spaces or redo a park, the creativity and the compassion of these students is unbelievable. They are always talking about building a welcoming and inclusive city, as well as focusing on what the business district looks like and what the environmental impacts are. They get it. You know, we've, uh, you know, been talking a lot, not just in the past you know, few months, but but past couple of years, in fact, uh, Madam Mayor, about affordable housing. And it seems like we've had some great announcements down to office conversions to historic buildings in the city of Calgary being turned into housing. What, what can you tell us about where we're at and what more needs to be done? Well, we had uh, a great announcement just a couple of days ago um, with the Barron Building downtown, which, by the way, is also featured in The Last of Us. Yes. Um, yeah, there's an opportunity to provide housing there. They are uh, still figuring out the model to see um, if any component of it will be um, affordable housing or market-based affordability. But many of our conversion projects have included affordable housing. Um, I can tell you that the city is an active partner in making sure that we are doing better in this regard. 
we had the announcement a few weeks ago of $6 million for Indigenous housing programs. We also partnered with the Homeless Foundation and United Way to offer people access to grants for first and last month's rent. Yesterday at a committee meeting, we talked about how do we take um, underutilized parcels of city-owned land and convert them into multiple-use sites where there could be a component of affordable housing, there could be green space. We can do so much. We just have to look at this differently. Mayor, you opened the door mentioning The Last of Us, so I wanted to just officially ask you if you could please call your people today and uh, see if we can get Pedro Pascal and maybe Bella Ramsey as well as our 2023 Calgary Stampede Parade Marshals. What do you You think about that? Sue and Andy, just for you, I'm going to hang up here and and call Bella directly and and see what she has to say. I will call Pedro, you call Bella, and we'll see if we can't get this organized. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. Don't you think that they would be the, the perfect Stampede Parade Marshals? I think we'd have a lot of fun. I think so, too. It's a great show, and I think it's bringing lots of notoriety to Calgary. So fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much. Happy St. Paddy's Day. To you as well. Have a great weekend. Thank you. That is Mayor Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek. The U.S. banking system has been in the spotlight this week following the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank. With details on this and everything happening stateside, we are joined by Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning to you, Jackson. Good morning and happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Yeah, banking, uh, kind of in news headlines, scattered across the globe at this point. uh, But it seemed to have all started with that Silicon Valley bank and uh, perhaps a a crisis on the horizon. How concerned are U.S. regulators? Yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to say that essentially there is no need for panic here, that the banking system is secure, that it's being shored up by other banks and by actions being taken by the Treasury Department and the Fed. But at the end of the day, there was a significant amount of concern that the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank could spark some sort of broader contagion across the banking sector and lead to a run on banks across the country. And so what we've seen is about $165 billion in borrowing from the Fed by American banks over the past week to really shore up their deposits. Uh, We're also seeing uh, banks step in to prop up other banks in this country because there are a few others, uh, including one called First Republic, that are sort of teetering on the brink but big picture the market seemed to recover yesterday and right now it feels like they've got this contained certainly though the markets have been jittery they've been up and down all week long and uh, what's happening in europe with credit suisse is certainly raising concerns that it's not over yet jackson let's change topics a little bit uh, this was an interesting one story about a u.s drone down by a russian jet this week sounds like the the russian jets were sort of tracking it and then ran in, into it intentionally is that what we know at this point That's certainly what the Pentagon is saying. They say that uh, Russia took deliberate and aggressive maneuvers against the drone, which was patrolling over international waters. Uh, They released video which showed two Russian jets dumping fuel on the drone, and one seemed to collide with the rear propeller, the engine of the drone, uh, which resulted in the U.S. bringing it down in international waters in the Black Sea. There's sort of questions right now as to whether Russia or the U.S. will be successful in recovering that drone, but the U.S. says any sensitive data has already been wiped from the systems inside of it. Uh, Still, it really shows the danger of an escalation here uh, as the war in Ukraine continues to rage and both Russia and the U.S. are, uh, you know, operating in the same airspace. There's always the potential for conflict. And, uh, you know, Russia is essentially saying the U.S. has no right to be patrolling over the Black Sea, 
even though they're established international waters. So uh, lots to watch there and, and continues to add to sort of the tense situation play out. And I should say that we will probably see more of that on display next week when Chinese President Xi Jinping travels to Moscow for a meeting with Vladimir Putin. And of course, uh, shoring up the alliance between China and Russia has been a real concern for the U.S. and NATO. Uh, not clear how far China's commitments go, but as we know, China could step in and provide military aid to Russia for the invasion in Ukraine. And on another front, uh, but similar, which I would think would be a concern for the United States, is news out of North Korea that they want to be testing an ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missile, uh, to kind of show defiance against not just South Korea, uh, but the U.S. So another front to be concerned about, Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, North Korea continues these tests. Uh, there continues to be increasing tension in the region. And sort of a question as to where it all leads, although I don't think there's much of a sense that uh, things are headed for escalation, more just North Korea showing essentially what it can do. Jackson, the attack on women's rights to abortion in Texas continues to be in the headlines. What's the latest on this approved abortion pill that some groups want pulled? Yeah, so what's happening right now is a judge in Texas is debating whether or not to revoke the FDA authorization for methoprestone, which is one of two drugs used in medically induced abortions. Uh, medically induced abortions with no surgical procedure make up more than half of pregnancy terminations in the United States. They're very common. Uh, this pill has been in use for more than 20 years. You can get it through the mail prescribed by telehealth. It's that common. Uh, but what's happened is the way the court system works in the U.S., a conservative Christian group has found a jurisdiction in a remote part of Texas where there is a conservative judge who has made anti-abortion statements in the past. They've essentially found an excuse to get this on his docket in that jurisdiction in hopes that we, he will strike down the FDA's authorization for this drug nationwide. Now, we should point out, no matter which side wins in this, it is all but certain to be appealed, probably up to and including the Supreme Court. The bigger picture question in all of this is, does a judge have the right to override or, uh, you know, deauthorize a drug that has been approved by regulators in this country? And there are all sorts of implications if that is upheld. I mean, implications, for example, for um, other drugs to do with sexual and reproductive health, uh, contraceptives. Uh, these are all things that could be in jeopardy if this ruling stands. All right, uh, switching gears once again, and uh, who knew that we'd be talking so much about apps when it comes to government mm -hmm. and, and politics. TikTok back in the headlines with the White House now wanting the app to, to change hands and kind of be removed from its Chinese parent company. What can you tell us about this, and could this be something that could be influenced by government? Yeah, this plays into those broader concerns that governments, including uh, Canada's government, have about TikTok as a security concern. And, of course, the concern is twofold. One, TikTok's access to data, and of course, TikTok is owned by a Chinese parent company, and China has a national security law that says that Chinese companies can be compelled to turn over user data to the Chinese government. So this has long been a security concern. And of course, the other issue is that TikTok is so widely used in the West, and yet it's controlled by a Chinese company, that there are concerns, of course, that the platform could be used to spread information, disinformation, change narratives. So these are all big picture concerns. The Biden administration is essentially saying to TikTok, Look, your Chinese parent company has to sell you off and sever ties or you will be banned on a national scale in the U.S., not just on government devices. They do have the authority to do that. Uh, it seems like they may be headed down that path regardless, because at the end of the day, as long as there is some tie back to China, it's very hard for TikTok to say it is not bound by Chinese law. Uh, TikTok has unveiled a plan. They call it Project Texas, which would be to move all of the American user data to Texas, 
firewall it off from China. But at the end of the day, as long as there's that link back to China, the concern remains that, hey, the, the data could be shipped back there. Jackson, on behalf of a meteorologist Andrew Schultz, uh, weather continues to be a story on both sides of the United States. <laughs> yes, it does. Can I tell you, the cherry blossoms are in full bloom here in Washington, weeks ahead of schedule, wow. uh, which is, you know, not necessarily good news. But yeah, California is really taking the brunt of this, right? Historic amounts of snow and rain. Lots of concern about that historic amount of snow. What happens when the rain moves in and when the weather warms up because we're transitioning to an El Nino year, which means warmer temperatures, but a rapid melt of that snowpack could uh, see catastrophic flooding. How much snow are we talking? We are talking snow that in Lake Tahoe is up to the top of the chairlifts, like the chairs themselves are actually buried in the snow because it's that deep. Just before we let you go, it happens to be St. Patty's Day, as I'm sure you're well aware, Jackson, and a big deal in Boston. I'm wondering, in, in Washington, what is it like as far as St. Patty's Day? Is it recognized and celebrated? Well, you know, President Joe Biden loves to tout his Irish heritage. In fact, he, he's headed to Ireland himself in early April. Uh, he will be celebrating the day today, but no, they don't dye the Potomac green here, unfortunately. Sadly, no, not as big a deal as Boston here. <laughs> well, uh, I hope that you have at least one green beer today, Jackson. Thank you so much for joining us and happy St. Patrick's Day to you. You as well. Have a great weekend. You too. Jackson Prosco, Global News, Washington Bureau Chief. bar is right where you'd expect it to be in Ireland. For over 1,000 years, Sean's Bar has served up local patrons in St. Athlone County, Ireland. Declan Delaney is the GM of Sean's Bar, and he joins us this morning. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Declan. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Great to be talking to you again. Great to be talking with you again. Thank you so much, and glad to hook up with you again. And it's interesting because we have touched base in the past, and the pandemic got got in the way, and and now we're happy to have you back on the line. So let's uh, do a bit of a refresher. St. Patrick's Day, it's a big deal here in Canada. How do the locals celebrate in Ireland? Well, we just do it the old-fashioned way, and uh, and, and just plenty of pints. I suppose it's really started the last couple of days already, the days leading leading up to St. Patrick's Day, so... You know, it's like a little holiday and people are out and enjoying themselves. Obviously, on St. Patrick's Day, we, there's a parades, uh, lots of little towns. So I think everyone knows about the big parades in the city, especially Dublin. But uh, every little town and little village has, uh, has a parade in, uh, of some description. So it's, it's a family day as well. Firstly, a lot of uh, people get out and about with the kids and everything else. And then, and then as soon as the, the parades are over, people can uh, drop off the kids and into the pub then after. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> the music. yeah, I love that idea. And everyone, whether you're Irish or not, everyone on St. Patrick's Day becomes Irish. So for us here in Canada, everybody wears green. We put shamrocks all over us. We put green in our beer. What do you do to celebrate any of those? Well, yeah, that, that, that's one thing we don't do. We don't <laughs> put green in anything. Our, 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 our beer is sacrosanct, so we, we, uh, we're, very, we're very precious about that. But we do everything else. Uh, plenty of music, uh, uh, you know, lots of, lots of, just good time, I suppose. You know, it's just, it's just people, families getting together and drinking. But as I said, we don't put any, uh, no colouring in the drink. Well, <laughs> we, yeah, uh, every, everyone will be wearing green or green, you know, the Ireland jerseys, scarves, hats, painting, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you can't keep the green food coloring on the shelf here in Canada <laughs> over the next 24 hours. And it's interesting because you see that green twice. 
Declan, once in your beer, and then you see it maybe a little later that evening somewhere. Uh, but anyway, uh, b- b- besides besides us doing foolish things by coloring our beer green, are there any foods associated to celebrate St. Patty's Day? Uh, not not so much. I mean, we, we, we do like a, a good traditional stew, and it's especially good when you're... When you're drinking lots, it's it, it's sort of as we say over here, it's good soakage. It soaks up the beer a little bit. Uh, a good a good lamb stew, as we call it, mammy stew. The what 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 we're all reared on at home, you know. Uh, that's what we all sort of had. So that that would be sort of the traditional, uh, I suppose, dish that you'd have as well on the day. Keep it nice and simple because you don't want to you don't want to have anything too spicy or anything, you know, especially with a lot of beer like that. So you want to keep it a <laughs> You want to keep it as wholesome with some good good potatoes as well, you know. You don't want to you don't want to, don't overcomplicate it, you know. But if you're having enough Guinness, well, we always say there's eating and drinking in Guinness, so you don't need too much food, you know. It is chewy, Declan. It is chewy. Uh, let's talk about um, you know your your pub, Sean's Bar in Ireland. It's the world's our oldest. So how do we even know that? Give us some proof yeah, that this is yeah, the oldest the, pub. Well, the pub itself, I suppose, it's all it's been thoroughly researched right through the years uh, and has an official dating back to 900 AD. If, for a lot of visitors or for anyone who's passed through Athlone, uh, we're halfway between Dublin and Galway, so we're a, a really ideal spot for people to stop off. And we, we give people little talks and the little history chats. So the, we have old walls here in the pub, and those old walls are we call, we're called Wattle and Wicker, or they're also called Wattle and Dob. And what that is is hazel stakes that are interwoven with horse hair and clay and mud. And those old walls, when they were discovered by Sean, those old walls were dated by the National Museum of Ireland back to 980. Uh, and were also uh, certified as well by the Guinness Book of World Records. So if anyone coming in, you'll see parts of the old walls still on display. And you'll also see 980. We're also uh, listed by the... It was a French museum who had, have a, a list of the oldest countries... Sorry, the oldest businesses per country, uh, and there's a whole map of it. So it's every country in the world uh, with their oldest business. So we're down as the oldest continuous business in operation, dating back to 980. So a lot of historians, yeah, we've heard, there's, there's famous historians over the years who've written much about it. Uh, it's, it's all been, been researched. So we've great, great fun here. Anyone stopping by, we give, give everyone a little chat, as well as uh, when they're enjoying their pint or their, their Irish coffee, and uh, we, we sort of uh, share a few stories with that. And Declan, I know that the hospitality business can be quite fickle. I mean, even here in Calgary, a restaurant can open up and within the year be shut down. So with that sort of history, beyond the structure, beyond the, the walls and in the stories, I'm guessing your clientele, you, you have people who have, you know, came when they were little with their parents and now they might be grandparents or great-grandparents. Do you have a lot of the same faces coming by? Oh, yeah, a lot of the same faces. And, and those old people, especially the people living locally, will tell us all the names and the, 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 the old stories of people who have come and gone before us, you know. So sometimes they know more the history than, uh, than you do yourself. So uh, exactly, they would have learned from their parents and they would have come in here. And, and I suppose anyone for coming into Sean's now, even today in the old power, we have traditional music every night of the year. And then we have a huge beer garden at the back and there'll be a different type of music, maybe a little bit more suited to younger people. So it means that the pub is quite unique because... You have a mixture of ages uh, where people are, feel comfortable coming in with their parents and there's a little bit of everything for them. So a lot of modern pubs might be maybe old, very old, very, and then some of them might be, you know, pop, very young. But Sean's is a, just a good mix, and as well as the tourists and the visitors and the locals. So that's a good mix of people. 
we also have the, the river is right at our back door, so we get lots of Europeans like Germans and uh, Dutch pulling in on their boats. So there's a real good mix, and if you can imagine the conversation at night, no one understands what anyone is saying <laughs> because you have so many coming in. But but that sort of mix across ages, across nationalities, um, that's what makes it sort of unique. It's the it's the, you know the atmosphere, a constant constant chat, you know, a constant talk, uh, and that's that's that, that's part of our motto. We have a, a an Irish an Irish slogan, a slogan that's on our back of our T-shirts, and it says "Kind Kill August Crack," and that stands for chat music and crack or good times a different type of crack that some of you might be used to but it's a, it's a, it's good times and all that sort of stuff so it's uh yeah that that that's that's the simple formula for us it's just um a good mix of people enjoying themselves. I love it. Well, you're good people. We've chatted with you before. We're so glad that you and Sean's bar made it through the pandemic and that you're thriving and celebrating St. Patrick's Day. We can hear it in the background. Thanks so much for chatting with us, Declan. Appreciate it. Not at all. You're very welcome. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Declan Delaney, General Manager at Sean's Bar in St. Athlone County, Ireland. It's the oldest bar in the world. Don't you just want to go? I just want to go right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it? Uh, I've been to Europe about seven hours. Maybe uh, you direct flight if you're if you're flying. Uh, so maybe nine. From we could here, make it in time from Toronto. I think we could. Well, then again, with the time change, it's like one in the afternoon right now. <laughs> Declan's already maybe into not. it. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, there's something about the mystique. There's something about the the culture it, and the food. When he mentioned the Irish stew, soaking up the beer. Oh, so all I good. want is Irish stew. So I hopped online here. Allrecipes.com, that's A-L-L recipes.com. Search up Irish stew, and they've got a recipe. It says it takes one hour and 55 minutes, and that's the, uh, you know, stewing time as well. Mm-hmm. Simple ingredients. You need oil, okay, because you're going to be doing the beef up first. Of course. The beef, the vegetables, uh, onion, carrot, celery, and potatoes, of course. The broth, and you're starting with three cups of water, and then it includes stuff like a gravy mix, a bouillon cube, Worcester sauce. I think I said it right this time. Chili powder, <laughs> oregano, salt, and pepper. Very simple. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't Irish take much. food it usually is. And the beef, you're not getting the highest end steak and you're you're cubing it into one inch cubes. So this could be a money saver. Yeah. Oh well, yes. Uh, and delicious. And buy one can of Guinness beer, pour a little bit into your mixture when you're making your stew, and then you can have a glass of beer with dinner as well. Because it comes in large cans always, Ooh. right? Super easy recipe, allrecipes.com. And go online to Sean'sbar.ie and you can buy merch from the world's oldest bar. Woo.